0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal podcast. What we're doing here today is listening to the most recent episode of my show, Metal Raps, which I do with Mitch Joel and Mitch Lafon. Two guys from Canada. And, uh, you know, I had been putting these out over the talking metal feed, which is how you're hearing it right now. And then I stopped because I felt like uh, metal rap should be exclusive to its own feed. And now I'm feeling like, why not go back to putting it out over the talking metal feed? Would love to hear your opinions on this show. If you don't like having it on the talking metal feed, I'd love to hear that. If you think the show is brilliant, I'd love to hear that. If you think it sucks, I'd love to hear that. If you think um, you know, it's so much better than, than talking metal or you know, not as good. Whatever. I just love to hear what you think of the show if you enjoy getting it here on the talking metal feed. So, um, again, if you want to get it separately, or you don't want to get Talking Metal, and you just want to get Metal Raps, you can definitely do that on iTunes. You can go subscribe to it. It's on Spreaker, too. And I think, I'm trying to think, oh, it's on Stitcher, also. Tried to get it on iHeart, and it was declined, because we don't do enough episodes. But Mitch Joel and Mitch Lafon are two great guys. I feel a great connection with them, and uh, I feel like the episodes are better than ever now, and the vibe is better than ever, and the... Kind of chemistry between the three of us has definitely gotten better as we've gotten to know each other, and we had the pri- privilege of all hanging out with one another in in Montreal recently at Heavy Montreal. So, having said that, here is episode eighteen of Metal Wraps here on the Talking Metal RSS feed stream. Enjoy, guys.
2: Well, hey there, and welcome to episode number 18 of Metal Raps. We seem to have taken a bit of a summer break, but we're back, heavier and metaler than ever. My name is Mitch Joel, and as always, we are joined by one-on-one with Mitch Lafon's Mitch Lafon. Mitch. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. I said good day to you, sir. And, of course, Talking Metal's Mark Striegel. Mark, how are you?
1: Good. Good. It was so great to see both you guys in person at the same time at Heavy Montreal. Great fun.
2: I was gonna say the uh, it was amazing to finally connect, as I like to say, in our protein forms. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mitch and I get a chance to hang out actually go quite a bit lately, which has been yep. a, a total pleasure. But Mark and I never met in our physical form. So that was uh I guess it's always great to connect and a bit like, okay, this is sort of weird because we talk a lot through the internets and right here we are. Um, but yeah, heavy Montreal, great weekend, uh, tons and tons of fun. I I admittedly did two days probably more like one and a half days you guys were were much 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 more uh intense than i yeah. was why don't we just sort of talk a little bit about some of the highlights of the event for us um mitch well, let's start with you
3: both mitches we were only there for the photo ops obviously right that that's what <laughs> that's <right>. <laughs> <laughs> that was our main purpose
2: yeah so for sure you know, you need you need your photo ops when you have the situations we get into but let's yeah. talk music ops what yeah, was it mitch you know what what? What was your uh, music ops
3: my, my, my favorite moment, and, and I know I'm going to sound like the hair metal guy or the melodic rock guy, but I really enjoyed Warrant. I had never seen the band with Robert Mason, and they took out mostly all the ballads with the exception of Heaven for the set they did. And so they were like this fierce machine of rock with a great vocalist. And so I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought, oh my God, if they come out here and do, you know, uh, I See Red and Heaven, they're going to be, you know, torn apart and they came out and they did all the heavy stuff and robert just sings like a son of a gun i mean wow what a great fit i mean warrant is more of a band now i think than they were back in the day they just seem to all be having fun and there you go so warrant for me
1: okay mark yeah there were so many great acts you know i i i've always been a fan of corn but more of like kind of the casual fan i mean i had the you know the first three records and and stuff and kind of dropped off after that uh, however, I just thought that the energy they had on stage and and just the, I mean, their bass and drum stuff that they're doing is just so powerful, and I really got off on those guys. Um, my personal favorites, though, were probably Fozzie, uh, Rich Ward, and Chris Jericho, just putting on an amazing set with uh, Randy from Lamb of God and Corey from Slipknot on the side of the stage just rocking out, enjoying it. It was fun to see that, and I just thought they were possibly the most energetic band that I saw up there. Faith No More was fun, uh, what I caught of them. I I totally love Devin Townsend's set, which I caught on one of the side stages there. I thought uh, he's just incredible, and I've been such a longtime fan of his. And also, I would say Venom Inc. was was a big highlight for me. Uh, two of the three original members of Venom out there doing their thing. And uh, g- great great fun.
3: May I How about in on you, on Mitch? That? Can I just cut in on yeah, that yeah, real yeah. quick? Yeah, go ahead. Mitch. Venom Inc. Uh, was great to see this classic band... But it was better actually getting to meet them. I thought they were going to be these sort of, you know, lugubrious, mean-spirited, sort of death metalist Satan worshippers, and they could not have been the nicer people. I mean, they they were just excuse the language, but sweethearts. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I I was blown away. They they were so thankful, so grateful, so just just wonderful, wonderful people, and and that that really was a pleasant, pleasant surprise. So hey, kudos to Venoming for being, uh, as they say, good chaps.
2: I was a, I was only there for, for two days. So a couple of highlights for me. Uh, you sort of have to go through. Like, one is for sure just hanging out with you guys. And I know that may sound corny. We sort of just talked no, about that. We said uh, i yeah, talk about was... the music. But just like the camaraderie of like just talking music and grabbing some food and seeing a show and then going to me It just was a very amazing and excellent experience. So I'm just really felt totally blessed that I just I I have a life that allows me to just hang out with guys like you and meet rock stars and listen to music that intense and that close Um, I'm going to surprisingly agree with Mitch Lafon and say that Warren were um, I was now I've seen them live many many times I've actually seen them with Robert Mason who I've just been a a fan of Rob's from back in the when he was doing the lynch mob stuff and followed his career with Cry of Love and just always thought this guy had one of the most under Rated hard rock voices out there was really surprised that he took the Warren gig. Didn't think it was going to be a sustainable run, um, and he really he fits like a glove. I, I also because I love Robert Mason's vocal range and his capacity so much, it actually made me respect Janie Lane a whole lot more. Because growing up, I always just thought Janie was good. I just never really respected. How good he actually really was, and when you hear an amazing vocalist like Robert try and do those songs, and you realize, wow, those actually weren't easy songs to do, and some of them are really complex and difficult to sing, or had a certain tone and timbre to them. And you're right, Mitch. I think that the way that they sort of didn't go into like a whole "Sometimes She Cries" in heaven, and and I saw they just really stuck to a rockin' sound. You know, Jerry Dixon's bass blew out in the middle of a song. And again, you're sort of waiting to hear the samples and the keyboards and the backing vocals. It was just the guys on stage and they sounded killer. It was great. So that was, I, I guess it was a highlight for me just because it was so surprising yeah. of how great it was. Absolutely. Um, one that, that for me was a personal highlight. And I think it, it, in the building, it, it obviously was meant to be that way. I thought Lamb of God was absolutely just devastating. They, they're amazing. Um, it, you know, Put aside the the crazy story that what this band went through, the energy and passion that they bring to the music, the, the just their the ferocity of what happens live on stage with with this team of guys is is absolutely astonishing. They were totally great. And fanboy moment for me, I think you will all agree, was Iggy Pop. Yeah, was, I was going to say when he kicked into the Passenger, I was just yeah. like, this is
1: just amazing.
2: Yeah. And like you bond to music. So I'm standing there. I'm there with Mark Striegel. I'm there with Mitch Lafon. Mark's wife, Emily, is there. And then like right to our left is Marky Ramone. Mm -hmm. To our right is is Alex Skolnick from Testament. We're side stage watching Iggy Pop. It was just total... Fanboy moment, and just I'm not I'm not even a huge Iggy Pop or Stooges fan. I respect the music, always love them, but for me, just sort of be having that moment was really like I mean, just a total memorable thing. You know, listen, Iggy's getting on in his in his years. We don't know how long we're gonna have Iggy. Hopefully, we'll have him forever, but just being in that moment and and that energy and there was a real thing because Montreal really was a a heavy metal festival in the past year-ish or two years or so they're sort of shifting into heavy music in general and they're widening the bands that they're showing and um, you know putting E-pop on there is you know it's punk let's call it punk let's call it what it is Um, and just I thought it was a great moment I thought it was really really astonishing it was great and a great three days for anybody who got to hang out I know we had some conversations backstage actually the three of us about you know did did they have great enough headliners that turned out because it's hard to talk Metallica you know they did their um they did the the only time in North America last year where they did the, the fans sort of choose a set list this uh, session or whatever the tour was called and you know my feeling is that I think it was well worth it you sort of pay X amount of bucks for one day for two days for three days and you really do just hang out and get some good hard music I thought it was really well done I don't know Mark. I, I,
1: I yeah I really enjoyed the the lineup and going going into it you know I I did I was like ah, uh, they really need a, a Sabbath or a maiden or somebody and and that I do think would have been would have been great for me however the the lineup uh, really delivered for me while I was there you know I'm a, a massive Iggy pop fan I'm a massive faith no more fan uh, ha- having having said that which are you know are outside of, of the the boundaries of, of heavy metal obviously but um, but having said that, do, do you? I mean, I'm curious to what you guys think. Do you think that the festival is benefiting from expanding their boundaries and uh, including, you know, punk and, and hardcore and and just loud music in general? Do Do we think that that's uh, helping the festival or possibly hurting it? Mitch,
3: boy, that's a tough one. Um, I think a salt and peppering of punk would be helpful, but I think this year there might have been just a little too much, where it was just a little too salty, and you want to return the plate for, for a fresh one. You know, it's a metal festival, and people go, yeah, but then what's Warren doing there? Well, you know, when you look at, at the genre, you go from the hair metal to the, the death metal to the black metal, and the fans sort of all understand and get along and, and, and respect each other. But the punk movement, A, is, is just not a ticket seller for a festival. And B, it, it's just not what metal yeah. is supposed to be. The, the chord progressions, the lyrically, the, it's just the wrong fit. Now, you know, that said, if one year you have Green Day on the festival, okay, sure, Green Day is a big band, that, that, that works. Iggy Pop, big enough name to to work, but then some of the other ones, you go, yeah, you know, really, uh, I, you know, put on Queensryche. Why am I watching no effects? I mean, yeah. you know, let me see, uh, you know, uh, Megadeth or Lynch Mob or... This is not what I want to see. That said... Uh, the experience once you're there is fantastic, and uh, you know I did question this year uh, if they had solid enough headliners. And, and the way I judge it is, would they on their own fill out a Madison Square Garden or in Montreal a Bell Center? And the answer was, okay, maybe Slipknot would, but I I don't think Corn and Faith No More are at that level, and therefore I don't think they should be at the top of a festival. That, that's they're
1: they're opinion. not. Yeah, they're not and and I can tell you that Faith No More was booked into Madison Square Garden and mysteriously at the last minute uh you know this is like a week before Heavy Montreal was moved right, to the Madison Square Yeah, they were moved to the Madison Square Garden Theater which is you know like 10,000 seats less than than the garden and uh Korn who again both these bands I love and I will you know I'm planning to go see Korn New Jersey but they're playing a theater that holds at most a thousand in Montclair, New Jersey, you know, heavy, densely populated area of the country and and they're only they're only playing a, a, a theater there that holds a thousand. So yeah.
3: yeah. And and I'll say and I'll end on this. It's just you know, that kind of festival is what is referred to as a destination festival. I mean that somebody's gonna have to get in a car, a bus, a plane, a train and come across the country or across the continent to come see the show because it has to be that special. And like you said, Corn's playing in your backyard for, in a small club. Why would you drive all the way to Montreal to make that, ex- you know? I, I don't think they were bands that are big enough to make somebody say, hey, I live in Paris, let me get on a plane and fly to Montreal because I can't miss this festival. Just
1: Which people do for, for Vaken, of you Of course,
3: absolutely. And for Bonnaroo and Coachella and... All the, you know, the Japan Summer Slam or whatever it's called. Yeah, they do. Sorry.
2: I'll, Mitch. I'll take a bit of, you know, words. I'll take a bit of a different angle on this. And I think when you go, especially in the UK, Europe, you see these festivals and they're so diverse. And they're, I mean, it can get really strange where it's like Bjork and Metallica type of thing right. that you sort of get a feel for, like, okay, I'm going to just sort of spend three days and soak in the music. And that was really the spirit by which. I approached it. I approached it by saying they may not be the biggest bands. They may not be the most interesting bands to me, but I'm going to go with an open heart. I'm going to go in and I'm just going to enjoy three days of quote unquote heavy music. And I did find that as I sort of wandered off into like the blabbermouth stage, which was like in the forest or wherever it was that I was exposed to different genres of music. And I was okay with that being me. Now, Candidly, if it comes to a business perspective, yeah, I agree with where you guys are going, that it it did feel to me a little bit maybe too fragmented and that when you're that fragmented, audiences start picking and choosing. And when they start picking and choosing, they, they actually probably will not, may or may not pick you, and you don't want to be in that place. So to me, it felt more like a marketing challenge, where I think that the organizers really have to be banging the drum year-round, that this is just a place to come and enjoy heavy music, and it's less about... the the bands and whether or not they're capable of selling out an arena, but rather about the sort of holistic experience of what it was like to come together. So I, you know, great event. I think we all had an amazing time Uh, with that on the tail end of heavy Montreal uh, came something that I I guess we, you sort of always expected it happens. And then you go, yeah, they're back. Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden came out with a brand new single, brand new video, speed of light, obviously great to see Bruce Dickinson back who was battling cancer. So that's, Pretty amazing, and I thought I think also just the fact that again these guys are legends. I don't know if they need to really r- do any new music. They could probably just go on tour and be Iron Maiden, much like you know the Rolling Stones could probably do do that for rock and roll. um I have my thoughts about Speed of Light, but Mark, what what did you think?
1: Yeah, you know I, I've heard and read mixed things online. Some people thinking it's great. Some people think the video is great. Some people think the song is great. Uh, uh, my my personal opinion is I didn't really care for the video that much I think it's like whatever, but the song is is really uh cool. I really like the song and I think it's a it almost the when it first opens up, I mean it sounds like something like off off of like killers or or number of the beast or something it's kind of got that old school metal classic metal classic rock vibe about it. Uh, I think it's great you know i if i, I you know i I'm hesitant to say it because i I know he has been sick the only um issue i maybe would have with the song is bruce's voice you know definitely is not what it once was uh it's not as strong i would say i mean he still has the range but i just there's something about the quality of it that doesn't sound as powerful as it used to uh that aside it it, it, i'll take his voice over 99 percent of all other singers <laughs> you know in its current stage uh, you know so but cheers, but, but, you cheers think, to
2: Maiden. but mark do you think I, I want to tap into that a little bit because I, I guess i i came from it from the perspective of i thought he sounded really really good um i'm wondering did you feel that way about his voice like just post medical issues because no, I feel I, I, I feel like it's been like this for a bit. It's not yeah. just a medical thing. Like he's no. been he's getting older. The the band is changing. They're, you know, it's not as fresh that sound. I mean, the Maiden sound isn't fresh anymore. It's the Maiden sound.
1: Yeah. And that and that's what this song has is the Maiden sound and you just you can't top that. Uh no, I think I think his voice uh, even on The Final Frontier right. I I really started to kind of hear that it wasn't as, as strong as it used to be. And like I said, he still hits all the notes. You know, a lot of the guys can't hit the notes, but it's more like a uh, You – we've seen the same thing with Halford. You know, it's more like a, It's it's not – he's not singing. It's not the guttural like, you know – uh, it's not coming from deep inside of him like it like it used to, and and you saw the same thing with Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. His, in the past in the last ten years of his life, you know, that and that last you know thing he did with Heaven and Hell is the quality of his voice just wasn't what it once was. And uh, like I said, any of those guys, I'll take their voice over you know n- most most twenty somethings' voice, uh, at, at, you know, at this stage of the game or this uh, in two thousand fifteen.
2: That's what did you think?
3: Well, I thought it was a a good first song from a new album. I I, I can't believe that this is the best best track that they put out. So so I think it's going to be a nice build. I had a little problem with the mix. It just seems as though the vocal is sitting on top of the music, and it never really seems to blend together. As if he was sort of singing out of time with with what's going on with the music. Uh, and and the same thing with Mark with the uh, the video. I am old school. I like videos where the band is on stage and they're performing cartoons, puppets, and all this other stuff. That, that's not for me. That said, it's Maiden. It's 2015. They're still going strong. Listen, you can't, can't complain too much, right?
2: So, yeah. I'll tell you something. I, I, I thought out of this group, I would be the most critical of the video. I actually think out of the three of us, I liked it the most. I thought it was really great. If you like video games, watching the way they sort of splice it to from early video games through the popular Mortal Kombat to on and on and on, I thought they did a great job. The part that was so, that was the lunch bag letdown is the fact that they're just not in it at all. You don't even see them. And I think that just being Fans of Iron Maiden, you want to see the galloping bass of Steve Harris. You want to see Nico doing those fills. You want to see the double guitar riffs and the hair flying. And you're sort of waiting. I think the problem with the video is you're waiting for it. And you're like, okay, I'm going to finally see them at the end. And something's going to happen. Or they'll pop out of Eddie. And man, it just completely doesn't deliver. And then when it ends, you realize the saddest part, which is, of course, they're not in it. That would have cost too much money. Right. (laughs) It's like that, that was the sort of thing. You just feel like, oh, it just come on, you couldn't get them on a stage to perform, but that probably would have cost money to shoot and do well. And so they just kept this sort of video game format. But I thought it was such a great idea, right? Eddie, through the years of like 8-bit video games all the way through virtual reality, I thought it was Really smart, just totally let down that they weren't in it. Really, really, ah, right, let me get. That. Who doesn't uh, think
3: of Iron Maiden when they see Donkey Kong?
2: I mean, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was. That's what I'm saying. I thought it was great that Eddie. I thought it was great. No, nah, um, you need to see the band. I mean, that's you got to awesome. see, them. We, we, gotta we, see and, them. And also because of what happened with 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 Bruce. You yes, want to see that he's healthy and back and rocking so that that's, that's going to make me put my money where my mouth is and buy some tickets to some shows.
3: Yeah, Or is it suggesting the opposite that maybe he's not as healthy as everybody says and therefore we had to do this cartoon? I mean, start you start thinking that other way
2: because you don't Ugh. see him,
3: you know? So yeah, you know, right. It, it, it was
2: risky. So we've had a lot of great music out in the past while and a lot more is coming down the pipe. Before we close out, what are you guys listening to? Mark, what's got you going mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, uh, this, this band, I guess they're Canadian Danko, Danko Jones. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I, I must say that I, I really didn't know much about them. Uh, and a number of people over the maybe past five years have been like, oh, you got to check out Danko Jones. And yeah. I always thought their name sounded stupid. So it was just like <laughs> Danko Jones. Like I didn't know what it, what it was, you know? And, and then, you know, um, Again, so many people have told me, oh, you'll love them, check them out, and I never did. Then I heard uh, Danko Jones on the last Marty Friedman record. He does a song that is just out of control. It's so good, Um, which is called, uh, what is it called? It's it's called uh, I Can't Relax. (laughs) Great, great song. Marty Friedman and Danko Jones. And so that kind of led me back to their catalog. And I've just been consuming all their old records uh, below the belt, which has got to be at least five years old. I've I've been listening to just nonstop the last couple of weeks. Great band, great stuff. And uh, I'm late to the party, but I am now I'm now there and enjoying Danko Jones.
2: You're just not going to need a passport to get into this country, Mark. They're just going to make you a <laughs> citizen. You're like, you're, you're, you're always bang the Canadian. Yeah, well, you know, my, drum, my
1: family's right? from originally Buffalo, and my mom was born like like miles from the Canadian border. So I, I feel like— It's it, in your blood. Yeah, in she was blood. born in Niagara Falls. My uh, mom's side of the family, all from Niagara Falls, New York. So maybe, maybe there's some
2: Canadian blood in me. Who knows? Mitch, what, what have you been listening to?
3: I've been actually a being the uh, Queensryche, you uh, condition human, and uh, Jeff Tate or Operation Mind Crimes, the key that I had a got a chance to get them in advance to check them out because I have interviews coming up with both and uh, interesting. Who wins? Albums. Who wins? Who wins? We want to know. You know, I wins? gotta say, I think <laughs> the, it's a draw. <laughs> yeah, no, and I gotta say, it's a draw, and I'll tell you why. One is rhythmically, musically, and lyrically more mature. And the other one is just a solid rock record, but lyrically and and vocally, just not at that same level. So unfortunately, well, which we, is
2: which? You can't say that. And like, a, how are we supposed uh, to? Which right, one's listen, what? I,
3: I, the Jeff Tate one is is better vocally, and the lyrics are are are, are mindful and 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 cerebral, and you know, entertaining. They they tell a story. The Queensrÿche one is a screamer over this really great music and but you know there's not there's not a hit single in it but there's a great album if you understand what I mean right
2: so you have to be I wonder what, I wonder if we could play them both at the same time simultaneously maybe it'll be just the best album ever
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you what I did in my playlist is I took song 1 song 1 song 2 song 2 and then, oh, man. and then I just go off of each other but yeah you know the In a sense, I'm happy that there's two of these because you get two albums of great music. But uh, on the other hand, I say, man, if you could take the Queensryche music and that vibe and that kick-in-your-face attitude and then get Jeff to sing on top of it, then you'd have an ultimate Queensrÿch album. It's too bad that you have the two great things going on separately in two in two different albums. But
2: uh, I think we have a conversation topic for another metal rap, so we can talk about yeah. the fact that these bands like Queensrÿch and then Operation Mindcrime are coming out with albums like almost at the same time. It's like they just can't help but like want to either hurt Step each other each or, or,
1: or yeah. We should. I could talk about that for a half hour. So okay. Yeah, so we we'll do that for, for the next yeah, yeah. for the next uh,
2: For me, the stuff I've been listening to, I think there's two. One is I feel like I'm jumping on the bandwagon, but I'll go ahead. And say it, the ghost. I just think is doing some. Oh, yeah. They're so, so weird too. It's so weird to just YouTube that band and sp- and get lost in that cycle. It's from the live stuff to radio appearances that they are just. Yeah, you know, I, I guess whole that's the
1: f- conceptual story that goes yeah. with it, which is, is is as brilliant as the music. If you know, it's just uh it's fun stuff one of my favorite that, bands of the past 10 years.
2: Yeah, I just wonder if that's the feeling. Like, it almost feels to me like it, it it was like when I first started seeing Kiss that sort of weirdness and I wasn't sure or even some of the even even the sort of darker e- evil metal stuff in in the 80s as well. It's just, that weird feeling that weird you know, King Diamond feel is great. And, and then, then there's I, this whole like
1: Rosemary Bay Rosemary Yeah, Bay yeah, thing, yeah. like 60s psychedelic satanic panic feel to it too, which is is yeah, really yeah. clever, almost Austin Powers-esque at times, you
2: know? yeah and yeah, like guess. it's creepy, but like it seems very docile and just yeah, they're they're great. And great the other one is Fear Factor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Fear Factory, uh, GeneXus, is just, uh, I always have loved this band. I know that they have popularity, but I always feel like they were never as popular as they could or should have been. And uh, just Burton C. Bell is just a crazy vocalist. And Dino on guitar, I just have no idea what he's doing 90% of the time. And just, I can't, I just, it's one of those bands that I feel like no matter what mood you're in, Fear Factory is good for that mood. So I think those two are great uh, new albums. Check out the new Ghost and the new Fear Factory for me. That would be all for us at Metal Raps number 18. We'll be back with number 19 soon. No more summer hiatus for us. My name is Mitch Joel. You can always find me at, at Mitch Joel. And check out my bass playing podcast, my bass player's podcast, rather, which is called Groove. It's at com forward slash groove. Great Mark, listen,
1: me- by the way. Great listen. I was listening to your interview with uh, the, the guys from Mars of Alta who was in Racer X. Uh, sure, Juan Altaretti. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent and actually, at,
2: at Heavy Montreal, we wound up spending a lot of time with John Campbell, so that'll be uh, an Ooh, upcoming episode with them. Uh, Billy Sheehan is coming up soon. We got some great ones for sure. So it's going to be great if you love metal and bass. I'll have it all over there. Uh, Mark, once you're once you're rambling, let people know where they can find you. Uh, yeah, I'm at talkingmetal.com. I'm on Twitter at
1: talkingmetal. Facebook is facebook.com/slash/mstriegel. A lot of great. Stuff coming up on Talking Metal. We have uh, just a a great guy, James Kotak, who is the drummer. Oh, he's of, awesome, uh, yeah. Scorpions and was Kingdom, in Kingdom Come and yeah. uh, was uh, a warrant. A, a warrant, yeah. Right. We, we talk, yeah. We talk about Jamie Lane on this interview that that will be posted within the next few days on Talking Metal. And he's also on uh, the Ex-Wives of Rock, one of my favorite TV shows. So he is coming uh, coming on the podcast. I taped the interview. Again, it will be up next week.
3: Nice. Mitch? Well, you can find me uh, at TalkingMetal.com also. I've got all the stuff up there. But uh, at Mitch LaFon on Twitter, one-on-one with Mitch on Facebook. Let's see what i got coming up. Uh, Jeff Tate is coming up. Andy Summers of the Police is coming up. And I've got an interview with Gus G uh, talking about Ozzy and his new album and stuff coming up too. So there you go.
2: You guys are killing it with your interviews. I'm watching the feeds going on. Mark and Mitch are just on fire. So good work with that stuff, guys. We'll be back soon with Metal Raps number 19. See ya. Cheers.